You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.com and of course I will answer as many as I can. Last week, family vacation while the whole world is running to Florida. We said it's not cold enough here in Detroit for us. We need even colder and snowier weather. So up we trekked to, well, not the UP. That I wouldn't, I don't think I'm ready to go there during the winter season. That's a little bit much. We're in the Charlevoix area. Really a beautiful, fantastic time. We were in a hotel in West Branch, went swimming for a day. There was a pool table there. The kids relaxed. We had a good time. Then Friday morning, we head up to Charlevoix. Now, there was really no snow, not Thursday, not Friday, not not in that area. It was so interesting as a sign. I go into a gas station. My wife likes decaf. So I told her, I said, you know, you don't like the decaf in the hotel. I'll just go to the gas station. So I walked in. I got my coffee, and there's no decaf. So I said to whoever was walking around, I said, no decaf? So she says, we haven't had decaf here for four years. Now, I go up there every year, but I guess I wasn't getting my wife coffee. And she says, every day we would spill it out. No one up here wants decaf. So we stopped carrying it. We have hot water if you want. So I took hot water. Actually, on the way back, we stopped off to get gas there. And the kids went in, filled them up hot water. We had hot chocolate with us. So that was also good. Anyways, get up north. We go snow, snowmobiling. There must have been a foot and a half to two feet of snow on the ground. It was fantastic. The kids had such a good time. They were so good, taking turns, enjoying. We took eggs. Um, we had a good time. We really, really had a good time. But two stories, I think, um, are good to share. So... We, we went snowmobiling Friday afternoon, go back to the farmhouse, get ready for Shabbos. Now, we're on our own. There is no one else in the house with us. We're going to make our own Shabbos. We're going to relax. Tons of food and nash and cake and chicken and eggs and chicken soup and gefilte fish. We brought everything. Um, but we're going to get back to that because that's going to lead us into this week's Torah portion. Um, okay, Shabbos, Matzah Shabbos, after Shabbos, we know Sunday morning we're going to be heading towards treetops. We're going to go tubing with the kids. We had we bought our tickets, 11 o'clock time slot, 11 to 12, and they're a little bit sticklers. It's 11 to 12. You show up 11.30, you lost a half an hour. So I, I didn't want to really pack up the car at night. I figured I'd wait till the next morning, get everything ready, by, I don't know, 8.30 ready, I'm packing up the car and and whatever pots and pans and clothes and stuff. And it's about 9.15 and most of the car is packed and the kids are getting breakfast and having eggs. 
actually some of those eggs were from the farm that we went uh, snowmobiling the Friday just before the weekend. And I go to turn on the car, and sure enough, it's dead. Whether I left the light on, whether it was just cold weather, car is not starting. Now, we're really in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of nowhere. Now, I called up my uh, my um, my insurance company, and, oh, yeah, you, you set up online. They will send you a tow truck to give you a boost. It'll take an hour, hour and a half. Which, if it was going to take that long, um, we were going to miss out on our tubing. But, okay, what are you going to do? Um, I do text the lady in charge. Her name is Elizabeth, lady in charge of the, of the whole farm and the building manager. And Sunday morning, it's 9.30. I assume everybody's sleeping. No one is showing up at 9.30, but within five minutes, she texts back. She says, where are you? I say, I'm still at the farmhouse. She's there in five minutes. She gives it a boost. It starts up immediately. So we get packed, 9.30. I thank her. I thank the owner. But just as a, as a first thought, you know, you go on a trip and you make a lot of plans. As my wife's job is to prepare all the food and all the nash and everything we're going to, you know, just to make it a enjoyable, fun trip. And my job is uh, I am the chauffeur, and I really make all the plans. We're going to the hotel, the swimming, the snowmobiling, the tickets for tubing, the times. Uh, that's my job. So uh, for many people, you make plans, and something doesn't work in the plans, and you just, some people lose it. Some people get very upset. Some people start yelling at everybody that everything's, oh, you know, who must have turned on the lights in the car? Who must have done this? And they're blaming. And so it's really a lesson. It happens to be it worked out. Thank God it worked out beautiful. And we got, it was snowing, by the way, um, Saturday night, Sunday morning. So we did have to go slower, but we made it. We gave ourselves, the plan was an hour and a half. By the time we finished packing, got the car charged up, uh, it was 9.40. We showed up maybe 10 to 11. So it took an hour and 15 minutes, whatever it was. And the GPS, or whatever the ways, said an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and three minutes. And we were going slow. There are areas, 20 miles an hour, a lot of curves, snow on the ground. We got behind the snowplow. I was very happy for that because then the roads were really clean in front of me. But people could lose it. Right, So it's just always important that when things don't go as planned, you can't lose it. Why ruin it? was such a beautiful weekend. The children had such a nice time. My wife and I had such a nice time together. So I'm going to start yelling at people. I'm going to start complaining and who knows what. Things happen. My, my first plan was, you know, if we'd wait for the tow truck, I'll call up. Maybe they'll give me later tickets. Maybe I'll buy new tickets. I don't know. Whatever it is. But don't ruin a beautiful vacation because something goes wrong. And you can't be the responsible party, even if it's not my fault. So that was lesson number one to take away from last weekend's trip. Here's lesson number two, and that'll get us right into what we want to talk about. So my kids ask me. Um, we're going away, right? We're going up Wednesday afternoon, Thursday. We're hanging out in the hotel rooms. We're going swimming. We're playing pool. The kids will be in their bathing suits and our t-shirt or whatever. 
where they're flip-flops. Like, you don't have to be dressed. You're in a hotel. You're going swimming. You're playing pool. Then we're going snowmobiling. Okay, so you have to have your pants and a shirt and snow pants and coats and boots and hats. And we even get those warmers. I ordered those warmers. Those were great. Stuck those in my boots. My toes were nice and warm. It was fantastic. But now it's Shabbos. We're not going anywhere. I don't even know if there's a synagogue in 50 miles from there. And anyways, I'm not driving on the Sabbath. So we're anyways not going anywhere. So my children asked me, do we need to bring the special clothes we wear every Shabbos? On Shabbos, we dress nicely. You go to synagogue and your home and you're, wherever you're going around. It's, you're dressed in, a, in a, nicer set of clo- a nice set of clothes. So they said to me, do we need it? And I said, look, you can do whatever you want. I am bringing up my regular Shabbos suit. I will wear my tie. I think you should. And they all did. And my wife included. I'm not saying you're wearing like a fancy dress, but maybe you have a nice robe. Maybe you have a nice blouse that you put on. Whatever it is, you're 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 not dressing like weekday. You're dressing like Shabbos. So the, the obvious question is, why? You're on vacation. If you're on vacation, you shouldn't need to dress like your home. It's the whole idea of vacation is you chill out. So it's true. The idea of vacation is to relax. And we do let our hair down. We do joke around by the table. And we have a good time. We play many more games than I play on a regular weekend. And it's funny because a lot of games are for four people only. So I couldn't play a lot of the games. Four kids, they happened to be. They all were into playing the games. Uh, We had one game there that was like for like seven or eight people. My wife even joined us. But why do I need to wear those nice Shabbos clothing, which are good on a regular home, regular Shabbos? Of course, you have to dress nicely. You're walking out in the streets. You got to look nice. Everybody's dressing this way. but, But why do I have to do it on vacation? And the answer is, that, you know, when they talk about the clothes make the man, you know, there's something to be said in the spirit of the day that if you dress appropriately, then you feel the day. If today is a special day and I put on special clothes, I feel it. My class was supposed to have a special, what we call a him a special party last night. It had to be canceled because we were afraid. It's supposed to be 12 inches, 18 inches, who knows what. Schools are closed. You can't have people driving. In the end, we could have had our party because the roads weren't that terrible. You could drive slow. Um, There was only, I don't know, four inches, five inches, at least where I lived. But we canceled. But the boys asked me, um, do they have to, you know, wear nice clothes? I said, yeah. I said, this party is important. You have reached a major milestone. Part of the way of showing you've reached a major milestone is to dress appropriately. If we don't dress appropriately, it just loses. It, it just shows a lack of respect for the occasion. Just imagine. I mean, I hate to ask this question. Right? I, I, we all know I made a few weddings recently. I made a mitzvah recently. Just imagine if I showed up to my wedding in a, a Hawaiian pink, I don't know, shirt. Like everybody would look at me like I'm from the moon. I, you have to, there's a certain dignity that the father of the bride or the father of the groom, the chas and the kala, there's a certain show of respect. It, it just lends to the whole evening or the Shabbos. So yeah, 
even though we're on vacation and we're all chilling out and we're going to pray around the dining room table, but at the end of the day, when I dress appropriately, I show respect to myself, I show respect to the day, it gives the day feeling. I wore my tie, no reason, I don't have to wear a tie. I wore a tie. And, okay, did I, I think I even wore when when we ate. And on, even on a regular Shabbos, a lot of times I take off my tie. Because it just, it just makes the day, it makes it real. And even when we went hiking, I didn't change out of my Shabbos clothes. Okay, I, I'm putting on my snow pants, and I'm, and I'm putting on my coat and my hat. Yeah, that I understand. When you'll see me walking through the snow, it, you can't tell what day of the week it is. But I didn't change my pants. I didn't change my shirt. I can't remember. if I, I don't think I had my time when we went hiking. It was a funny hike because the snow was so deep that we walked much less than regular because it was rough going, but we had a good time. Okay. What does that have to do with this week's Torah portion? I'm glad you asked. And that is this week's Torah portion, the Torah portion of Tetzaveh, um, the focus of at least the first half of the Torah portion is the special clothing worn by the Kohen, by the priest, and by the Kohen Gogol, by the high priest. There's actually, he actually had eight special garments, and we're going to take some time to talk about those garments. Um, but it is interesting, right? Here he is the most important priest. Um, he has his own special set of laws. Um, he's the one on Yom Kippur that he will go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he'll go into the Holy of Holies, no one else can go in. There's things that only he can do. And unlike all the priests that just have special linen garments and a special linen hat and a special belt, um, he actually has four other special garments that from a mile away, you know that this person is dressing to show his important level, which is really quite fascinating. As nowadays... Um, it's true that there are some rabbis that do wear maybe a different kind of jacket, like a long jacket, or um, by some of the rebbes, they'll have a certain beautiful, also like a longer coat. Um, so there is such a thing. But there's many, many rabbis out there that are wearing the same suit I'm wearing, probably one not even as expensive. While here in the temple, in the base of Mikdash, it was very important that the high priest wore different clothes. What were they? So let's just go through them. And again, we don't, we're not used to this kind of dress. If we lived a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, we might be more familiar with some of these types of garments. We now wear suits, right? We don't wear long robes. But he had the what was called the tits. The tits was like a like a forehead golden plate with God's name engraved on it. Um, he had a special hat, like a turban, and there was blue strings that held the plate over his forehead. He also wore a over his the white shirt, and over the pants, uh, there was this blue robe, called a ma'il, and on the bottom of this ma'il there were these. Um, I don't know what you would call them. They're called pomegranates in Hebrew. But it was basically a blob of wool, of, of like purple wool and blue wool and, and red wool, like sort of like in a, in a ball. And then they were, they were interspaced with golden bells. That was this thing called the mill. We're going to talk about the purpose of all these different garments if we have time for it. 
Um, then he wore this apron, which was really like a backwards apron. Um, and then attached to the apron, there was this, um, it was really just a breastplate, but it also had material. It had the 12 stones with the names of each of the tribes, and there was golden hooks that hooked it up to the shoulder straps to the apron, and also tied around in the back. So this is what he was wearing. But there was a reason for it. And again, we don't live in those times, so it's a little bit harder to relate to. But think of kings, right? Kings wore royal robes. It was a different set of clothing. They had their own people help them get dressed. There was multiple different things that they would wear, the kings, the queens, the pope also has certain special clothes that he will wear. Cardinals will have a certain special way of dressing. In other words, all these people, at least way back when, understood that there's honor for the position and there's honor for themselves, right? In other words, when I wear special clothes, right, it does two things. It shows that I'm honoring the office, whether it's the king whether it's a religious office, there's honor there. And I'm honoring myself, right? I am wearing these special clothes, right? The best, I guess the closest we can come to recognizing what this means, um, I know I feel this way, I get a new suit. When I put on that new suit, I feel good. If I have a business meeting, now let's not go to business meeting, you all know I'm a fundraiser, so I'm going to be going to somebody's office. So when I, when I have a recently purchased suit and I walk into that meeting, I feel good. Here I am. I'm dressed nicely. When my suit becomes a year and a half old, you know, and I pressed it a couple times, I cleaned it a couple times, it's not cleaning so good, it's old, it's getting old, it's getting worn out, I feel a little uncomfortable. Why should I feel uncomfortable? I... I'm dressed, I'm dressed appropriately, so it's a little worn out, what's the big deal? There's no big deal. But there's no question that when I dress appropriately, I feel good. And if that's what you feel when you're wearing a suit, right, or for a girl or for a mother or for a lady, a new dress, right, you feel good, right? Imagine if you're wearing clothes that signify royalty. You'll feel royal. And if there's clothes that are worn for a spiritual purpose, just the, it, yes, we, we don't want to you know, take too much of the, tra- of, the tra- of the trappings that we wear. That's true, right? No, we don't want to be um, so shallow that the clothes are everything. That's ridiculous, right? We're talking about people that are wearing these clothes because of who and what they are. So if inside you are a special person, then you should be wearing these special clothes. And that's what happened with the high priest. He's wearing these clothes. So what happened was when a, a Jew would go visit the temple, or anybody, by the way, would go to visit the Temple Mount, you would see all these priests, these Kohanim, dressed regally, if there's such a word. Right? They, 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 you, you felt, right? There was a spiritual awakening. You felt a spiritual, a closer connection to God. And part of it was by seeing all these special people working in the temple, and you saw the high priest, and he was dressed even more regal. Right? It, that affected you. 
It wasn't good enough that you knew, so I had to point out, oh, yeah, that's the high priest. You see that guy? Yeah, yeah with a long white beard? Yeah, yeah, he, he's the high priest. No one had to tell you anything. You just saw it. You felt it. And that's what this week's Torah portion is all about. It's Again, it's after we have the person who deserves to be the high priest. And after you have the priest who deserves to be in the position he's in, you got to give him clothes to fit the job. You know, I always uh, tell over this story. There was a, uh, a town called up a local school, and they said, you know, we need someone to lead the services on the high holidays. But we want somebody with all the rules and regulations. You know, that they talk about that there's, there's certain qualities we would like the, the cantor to have. He should be married and have children and should be poor and he should, be, should have a beard and he should be righteous. A whole bunch of lists. Well, so the school said, no problem. We got the perfect candidate. They send over a guy and the guy can't sing to save his life. He can't sing to save his life. So after the holidays, the, the synagogue calls the school and says, what did you send us? They said, what do you mean? You wanted, you gave us a list of qualities that your cantor, the person leading the prayers, has to have. This guy we sent you is tops. He, he's, he's an A-plus in all those qualities. They said, one second. First, you got to be able to sing. First, you have to be able to lead the services. Without being able to lead the services, we don't care about the rest of the qualities. After you have, after you can lead the services, now we want a guy who has all those qualities. So it's the same thing, right? In other words, we're not even, we can't even begin unless the high priest is someone who deserves to be there. That's for sure. Once he deserves to be that leader, okay, now let's give him the clothes so he'll be honored properly. That's, that's the point I'm trying to bring out. Okay. So we have a couple minutes Let's try to talk about what some of these some of these uh, garments what they represented. So we have to know like this: um, all the clothing that the high priest wore, were the purpose of it was it would create a forgiveness for different sins, for the different kinds of sins that were that that are out there, whether it's uh, even murder or or yeah, or idolatry, or um, or illicit relationships, or haughtiness, or uh, or judging and uh, not judging properly. So when a person would repent, and the high priest would wear these clothes, it would all help create a a level of forgiveness. That was the that was the that's what's happening with these clothes. So that, we have like under two minutes. Let's try to talk about one or two of them if I could. So the tzitz, that's the that's the again the uh, the gold plate that went on his forehead. So actually, that was a forgiveness. That was to forgive people that had brazenness, like a gaiva. So if somebody was brazen, right, he was in your face, right. So that kind of attitude, right, is not how we want people to act. It's like chutzpah, right. In other words. We're, we don't appreciate, for the most part, that people act with chutzpah. However, it's interesting. Maimonides talks about this. Every attribute out there, every way people act, there's good ways and poor ways to use that, um, 
identity or like chutzpah. So interesting enough, even though the tzitz is coming to forgive somebody who has this level of chutzpah, or chutzpah, as some people like to say, um, but there's good times also. So for example, um, let's say you're a fundraiser like me, right? Oh man, there goes the music. There's chutzpah needed to do that in a good way also, but I, you know what? We're not going to be able to get through it, maybe in the next show. But the music is playing. Hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David Sisko and Andy behind me. I hope I've left you on food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.